0: hey you welcome back to anointed fire my name is tiffany buckner and guess what i'm going to be talking to the singles again even though i'm trying to get out of that zip code for a while god has been pulling me back it's funny because i did uh wednesday night typically every wednesday i do a youtube message so wednesday one of the things i've learned about god is whenever he wants to talk on a subject that's where he's going to stick at right um and i'm not i'm not going to say that god wanted me to talk to relationships on wednesday but i can tell you that I had put a block there. Like, I'm not talking about anything dealing with relationships. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to, I don't want my brain to be in that zip code. I just want to talk. Let's talk demonology, God. Let's talk money. Let's talk this. Consequently, listen, I couldn't get anything. Wednesday, I'm talking about, and it's funny because you realize just how connected you are to the source. Like you really need the the, the power of God without it, you begin to feel drained, and that's exactly what happened to me Wednesday night. Wednesday night I put up this 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 wall this barrier and I'm just like yeah I'm not talking about relationships or what have you so what else are we going to talk about God what do you want me to come talk about and literally I had all of these ideas that weren't coming from God it was just ideas in my own mind but I just wouldn't go over there to the relationship thing so I decided to do a question and answers because I couldn't make up my mind I figured hey let's do a question and answers and I'm going to tell you something When I went live, when I tell you I felt zapped of energy, when I tell you I felt so tired, I was apologizing. Like, listen, y'all, I do apologize. I'm tired. But you know what happened was I wasn't connecting to the source. That's what the word Abba means. It means source. I wasn't connecting to the source because I was too busy trying to make it up in my mind. I don't want to talk about relationships anymore. You know, I'm not saying that in its entirety. I don't want to talk about relationships, but just right now, just in this season, in this moment, I want to kind of focus on something else. So that's neither here nor there. I wanted. This is something that, you know, I wanted to talk about because I saw it on TikTok and it kind of triggered me. And the reason it triggered me, not in a bad way, was because I had I happened to have this conversation sometime this week with somebody and that's usually how god speaks to me or what have you that's how he lets me know what he wants me to talk about so i happened to see on tiktok i didn't watch the video in its entirety but i happened to see a video a short part of the video where this lady was saying that you know her and her ex-husband um they were having a conversation i think it was at the end of their marriage or what have you but he told her no there was midways in their marriage he told her that he wasn't good enough for her and it was amazing because she was talking and I'm, I'm I'm, getting a gist of it. Like they had a really toxic, maybe even abusive relationship. Like I said, I didn't watch it in its entirety, but I thought that was relatively interesting because if you don't know my story, I ended up being married two times, but I was married two times when I was first and foremost, I had just gotten saved when I got married the first time I was too broken to think about a relationship. I had too many strongholds and demons and yeah i had too much going on at that time that i honestly should not have gotten married but you can tell that to me at that time i was a young lady i was grown and rather than giving up the lifestyle that i was accustomed to i tried to legalize it through marriage you know so i was accustomed to having a boyfriend i was accustomed to you know just having somebody to hang around maybe i was in fornication with my boyfriend or what have you um but when it came down to giving all of that up i wasn't willing to make the sacrifices that i needed to make all the same i ended up meeting my ex and so it wasn't just me trying to legalize something i was highly attracted to the guy he was a good looking guy really good looking guy i was extremely attracted to him and yeah we met um after i had just gotten saved i had just started going to church we met and we exchanged information. So I was still the old creature. Like I hadn't allowed myself to become the new creature yet. I was still thinking like the world, reasoning like the world. And that's that. So I got with him. We ended up being together for a total of nine years. We were married for seven of those years. Two of those years, we were dating Uh, for over a year of that time. We actually shacked up together. We lived together. Like I said, I had not allowed myself to become a new creature just yet I was still thinking the old way but I did have conviction I knew what I was doing was wrong I knew that you know I wasn't supposed to do what I was doing and that's that we ended up breaking up and just to say this I had a lady come under one of my books I typically sometimes very rarely but I will go and check my book reviews on Amazon and I don't know what book it was under but I came across this book review this lady was like uh, she t- left a really long review but the lady was demonized she kind of admitted it in her her assessment you know went, but long story short uh in there she did something that's satanic the bible calls satan the accuser of the brethren she used that she was like i don't know why anybody listens to this woman um this woman is married to has been married two times got two failed marriages or what have you and i almost responded which is very unprofessional thankfully i have the holy ghost and i know to be quiet but I almost responded to her because one of the things that people have a tendency to do, and I know this is neither here nor there, but one of the things that people have a tendency to do is blame the woman for a failed marriage. Um, and so I can go back and talk about the fruit versus the root. Um, the root of the issue, the reason those marriages failed was because they were never supposed to be started in the first place. But the fruit of those relationships didn't end because of me. I didn't have a, I didn't have a failed marriage um because i had mishandled somebody or because i was argumentative no in both cases even though i was a babe in christ um those marriages had ended because of the fruit of them right the stuff that they were doing and i'm fully into taking accountability i'm not gonna say i was perfect in either one of those marriages because i wasn't you know i had my hand in as well but i can honestly say first one ended because he was promiscuous and he was abusive and um i stuck in there as long as i could i fought for as long as i could um and then at the end of it yeah god gave me a way of escape um because god knew the call of my life god knew the assignment on my life and god knew that that man had a demonic assignment to destroy me not saying that he was a bad person i think he was a broken person but you know to be fair i was broken as well I i i just wasn't as broken as him and the reason i wasn't as broken as him because I had made an intentional decision to heal. I had made an intentional decision to go to church. I had made an intentional decision to get saved and to, you know, talk to the Lord about my issues, to study the Bible or what have you. He had made those decisions or what have you. So we ended up uh, ending our marriage because, like I said, he had a child outside and it was a whole lot of crazy stuff. So it, it was just way too toxic to stay together. Uh, and, you know, just a kind of side note, the dynamic of that was, and I found, and I almost did a message on this. The dynamic of that was the reason he did what he did wasn't because he wanted to end his marriage because he actually didn't. Um, in his mind, he thought that oh, you know, this is going to be like my parents because that's the type of marriage his parents had. His parents had a marriage where you know the dad had been cheating and the mom stuck around. But you know what? It it brutalized it. It 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 made her such a broken person that you know she became really controlling and screaming and cussing at him all the time and drinking and, and and struggling so they had this really volatile marriage but they stayed together and that's what you know him he was used to uh he was used to toxicity he was used to having an unstable home and so that's what you got to understand is when people are in a stable an unstable place that's what they're going to do they're used to the climate in one place they're going to set that climate in their own place and this is why you have to go through deliverance this is another reason why you know, during your single season, you have to go and you need to live alone for a while. Get all the people from around you. You need to get a therapist. You need to get healing and you have to acclimate yourself to a different environment. Otherwise you will always reproduce the environment that you came out of. It. But the dynamic was his parents stayed together. Mine didn't. My parents had been married and I always say 16 years because I count my age. I always forget that they got married before I was even born. They got married when my brother was a babe. My brother. My mom got pregnant with my brother, so they were married 17 or 18 years before they um went through a divorce. My mom tolerated a lot from my dad. She tolerated the rumors. She kept hearing rumors about my dad cheating. She heard rumors about outside children, a whole lot of stuff. But my mom tolerated a lot from my dad. And my dad, one of his biggest issues on top of that was he didn't like to work. And so, you know, my mom was always working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, and we were struggling financially. It was a lot. It was a lot going on. But at the end of it, what the fruit, because there's a difference between the fruit and the root, the fruit, what caused them to go ahead and my mom to call it quits was my dad went out there and he had a child with another woman. So I was 15. My sister was nine. My brother was 17 at the time. And a little girl popped up who happened to be nine years old same age as my little sister and according to my dad you know he didn't know she existed um he didn't know she existed because you know he had had a brief affair with her mother and of course you know a lot of times when you're dealing with guys they don't take full accountability his story was oh i met the mom and you know i i, I had a brief affair with her when me and your mom was separated him and my mom never really separated they did it was probably for a day when we were kids like they got mad at each other for a day or what you. Uh, maybe two days a weekend or something like that but he was like being your mom were briefly briefly separated Oh, what have you but they were separating because of all of the affairs women calling my mom oh what have you so that was his excuse and that was that was what he was gonna stick to um the lady she didn't tell my dad according to him that she, that she was pregnant and I believe him on that part but she didn't tell him that she was pregnant instead she got up and moved to Oregon and we were living in Mississippi she got up and moved to Oregon um and she decided to raise the baby on her own you know after learning that my dad and my mom were not broken up they were not going to get a divorce she decided to raise the baby on her own and what's amazing about this particular story is um even though that was hurtful for my mom to deal with it shed light on some other issue so my mom had always dealt with an accusation uh, about my older brother because my my dad is dark skinned um and my mom is my complexion she's brown skinned and my brother is light skinned and my brother had relatively sandy hair not too sandy but just you know just a little bit sandy not too not too but just a little bit of specks of sand up in his hair when he was a when he was born though his hand his hair was almost red but my bro, my mom you know people were questioning because my brother had these big eyes um he had the you know, these features and people question like you know they're like okay that can't be his son Notwithstanding the fact that my brother when i think about it he looked like my mom's mother you know my mom's mother was light-skinned with relatively big eyes so yeah that was a thing my dad had shut out all the noise he believed that was his son because my mom was a virgin when she got with him um that he believed that was his son and he fought his way through it but that was a time of redemption for her because this child that he had on the outside looked identical to my brother. This child that he had on the outside, which means that uh when you think about it, he didn't pull his looks, his light skin, and his big eyes from my mom's side of the family. Um, that came from somewhere in my dad's family because my dad's daughter that he had with the other girl other woman look very similar to my brother she was light-skinned and the woman was darker than my mother she was dark-skinned as well she wasn't as dark as my dad but she was dark-skinned um she ends up having this light-skinned girl with big eyes and i remember my dad bought the picture home and showed us before he told my mom um they were in the process of buying a home this is just a little side note be very mindful that One thing I've learned in marriage, when things are going up, I'm talking about everything is going good, baby. I got stories I want to share them with you. But when things are going really well in a marriage, the devil will step his ugly butt out the background and he will destroy it. And that's exactly what happened to them. They had this moment. This was a this was they were at the highest peak in their marriage. They were at the highest point in their marriage because at this particular time, like I said, my dad. He used to always refuse to work. I think he may have, may have gotten a job. I don't know. But what happened was my brother, they, they had been trying to get a check for my brother, social security check for my brother, and they got approved. And they had been trying for years. Well, they got approved for the check, and they had to pay them back pay. Social Security Administration paid them back pay. First check, they said they were going to be cutting two checks. So I think one of them was 11000 the other one was 7000 or they were both 7000 Either way, it was within that range. Well, they got one check. So now my parents had money in the bank, whereas they had always been broke. And they decided to go and use that money to get a home with. And there was this neighborhood that wasn't too, too far from us. It was probably a few minutes, about five minutes down, you know, you get on the highway this neighborhood it was an affluent neighborhood i mean the people weren't rich but it was a really nice neighborhood it was middle class it was more upper middle class it was just the houses look really nice out there i remember anytime we went out there you know you just thought these people have money out here very nice neighborhood and my they had went and applied for a house over there and they got approved so they were just waiting for you know everything else to come together um and then they were going to have to pay the closing cost so they put the money in an account so they can use that to close on the home Everything was on an up and up for them. My mom was over, overly excited because this was her dream. She was getting ready to buy not just a house, but a house that she really liked. I wouldn't even dare to say it was probably her dream home. And um, all of a sudden, this little girl pops up out of nowhere. And my dad's story is that he went to the store one day. And he happened to run, I think, to the into the sister of the other of woman the woman he had had an affair with that he said he didn't know he didn't know she had a child and the sister was like hey my sister's coming into town this weekend and he was like okay you know like why is that significant to me and she was like you do know she has your child and my dad was like what she was like yeah she has a daughter with you and my dad was like i didn't know that she was like yeah i've been telling her for years that you know she needs to tell you and all that so the woman comes into town The sister arranges for my dad to come over. He goes and he meets well. The woman gives my gives my dad a picture of this little girl. When he gave my dad the picture, my dad bought it home and let a 15-year-old, me, a nine-year-old version of my sister, and a 17-year-old, my brother, look at the picture. And he tells us a story. We look at the picture. The girl looks identical to my brother. I'm talking about light skin, big eyes, and they had the same issue. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah, that I'm sorry that's your kid i'm sorry and you know of course he's selling us the story what have you and i got to tell your mom we started telling him i don't know if it's a good idea to tell mom because my mom was murderous my mom was really meek and sweet and nice and kind and loving and she's the sheepest most sheepest person that you can meet but i'm gonna tell you something i've seen my mama try to murder my daddy a couple of times because my dad you know the stuff that my dad was doing my mom would we used to have to hide knives from my mom because my mom wasn't the type of person that would pick up a knife and just hold it. She swung it. And when I say she swung it with might, she would, She had rage. My mother had rage. That little sheepish sweet woman that nobody thought, oh, no, she had rage. So anytime her and my mom, my dad got into an argument, and we heard her and my dad arguing, me and my brother were going and hide the knives. So that's just to give you a little backstory. So long story short, my um, dad sits up there and... He shows us that, and we're telling him, like, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to tell mom or what have you. He was like, well, I've invited the little girl. You know, I want to hang out with her. I want to, you know, that's my daughter. I want to hang out. I want to get to know her better. And we're kind of looking like, yeah, that kind of sounds like a good idea, but it doesn't sound like a good idea. At the same time, um, we were willing, believe it or not, to help my dad hide this child. And that's because of, you know, how we felt. At this particular stage in our lives, we kind of felt like my dad was a little softy, little wimpy, just victim. And we felt like my mom was, you know, we just felt like she was just rage-filled or what have you. You know, she's a sweet person. Uh, we just felt like she was rage-filled or what have you. So we were always trying to protect my dad from her. When I look, uh, when I'm, now that I'm over, I realize my dad manipulated us a lot. But that's, that's neither here nor there. My dad went and took the money out the bank. Remember, they were supposed to be closing on the home my dad went and took a large lump sum of that money out the bank he bought the little girl over to our house i think it was a friday night he bought her over like i said she was nine years old he bought her over along with her siblings which he said were not his children she had a sister an older sister and an older brother he bought them over introduced us we were getting him. my mom was at work and he had he had asked to keep the car what have you but He ends up taking us to Roller World, which was his popular skating rink at the time. He takes us to Roller World. We skate with the kids. We're having a great time. After we've skated with them, we end up, we ate pizza there. Roller World's pizza was expensive. It was a dollar per slice. At that time, a dollar per slice was just too much money. But that's how much they charge, a dollar per slice. Um, But we were up in there eating eating the pizza. Surprised that daddy up there splurging. I'm talking about... Didn't ask questions as to where that money come from. Daddy's up there just throwing money out there like like money ain't a thing. Then when we leave there, he asks us, is anybody hungry? Y'all hungry? we like, yeah. He's with y'all. we like, McDonald's. So he takes us all to McDonald's and we eat. We come back to the house and what have you. So a couple of days after that, the bank notified my mom. Now, there were no cell phones at the time. So they had to call her. They notified my mom that you know a large lump sum of money had been taken out of the account or what have you so my mom I think she said um, the transaction for the house didn't go through I think that's what she said the transaction from the house didn't go through and so the bank notified my mom now mind you my dad he knew that the other money was supposed to come in at any day now so I think the reason that he took such a large lump sum of money out of the account I think that he thought that the other money would cover it and that my mom would notice it he thought that it would get there in time And it would cover, and then the bank would, you know, whenever they tried to withdraw the money, that the money would be there for the closing. I don't remember. So anyhow, the bank notifies my mom that there's this transaction. It failed. or what happened? And my mom's like, wait, what happened? And my mom, you know, she gets, she's like, hey, I need to itemize. And my dad, you know, they're telling her all these times my dad has been to the bank, and he's taking out large lump sums of money. I'm talking about thousands of dollars. So my mom, she comes home for her lunch break and she confronts my dad. She's like, hey, you know, the bank notified me where is that money? And my dad looks at my mom and he was like, hey, you know, um, we need to talk. But I think it's better for you to go back to work and then we'll talk when you get home. My mom's like, no, tell me right now. And um, my dad, he finally opens up to her because she's insistent. He opens up and he tells her um, and my mom. I remember the way she looked. I remember it was the coldest look in her eyes. She didn't cry. It was just this coldness in her eyes. And she said, and you could see she was hurt. But the hurt was coming out, not in a tear-filled way. It came out in anger. And she looked at my dad and she said, if you're not out of my house, by the time I get home. And she swore that she was going to kill him. And I'm going to tell you something. There wasn't a soul in that house, not even a roach, that didn't believe her. There was nobody in that house that thought my mom was bluffing. Every last one of us knew my mom wasn't bluffing because like I said, whenever she got angry, when she picked up a knife and you know, that was just during times when she heard about other women, she was speculating, but this was a fact. Not only did he have another child, like the evidence was there that he cheated on her. Not only did he did do all that, but he took out the money for their home. And now here it was, she was losing her dream house because of the stuff that he had done and and the icing on the cake was he had bought the other female the children around us that was the icing on the cake because i don't remember who said something but it came out i think it was my brother that said something but my mom was like you bought them around my children you bought them in my house she was like yeah you need to be out of my house by the time i get home and she swore she made a a, a covenant she swore that she would kill him If he wasn't out of her house by the time he came home. So, you know, my mom walked out the door. She got in her car and she left. And we helped my dad pack. My dad had us all crying. He was like, daddy, love y'all. He hugged us and all that other stuff. Um, And then he left. So that was a dynamic. I've learned that, you know, whatever your parents do or did, you're probably going to repeat it if you don't get counseling. And I'm not saying that you need to stick with somebody that's cheated on you or what have you. Um, in my situation with the first guy, I stuck in there for a while when there was just accusation and not necessarily any evidence. Um, and then when the time came where God showed me in a dream and I confronted him and I told him what the woman looked like, that was the time where he actually finally confessed. But in it, I was clocked out in my heart. I was like, "I'm done. I'm done." But um, yeah, he kind of begged, and what have he begged? Well, not kind of, he actually did. He begged. Um, he was like, hey, I promise I won't do this some more. I made a mistake, this, that, this, that, and the other. And in that moment, I got it, I saw two, two dynamics. And now I'm going to get back to the lesson. Two dynamics. One was, I felt like he was promising me what I had been wanting the whole time. He was promising me. I felt like, okay, this is the breakthrough you've been waiting on. But at the same time, I felt like that was my way of escape, if that makes sense so typically when you go through something like that there's high level confusion which was the case with me there was high 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 level confusion on one hand i didn't i wanted to throw in the towel because i was like i can't trust you and if i can't trust you what's the point of being together um and then on the other hand i'm like okay tiffany if you can get through this maybe there's going to be this big breakthrough the very thing that you've been praying for he's going to become a great person you've seen his potential and that's that but i'm saying that to say that at the end of that marriage and even the second one and if we can talk about the fruit on that I'm not gonna stay there because like I said one of the things I don't like talking about is those failed marriages but the fruit of that one the root of it was rebellion and idolatry we were outside the will of God that's the reason those marriages failed. but the fruit that finished it all in his particular case was not just adultery um, it was more so witchcraft he was from another country had a sister that i kept telling him was in a witchcraft he would deny that she was in there the girl hated my guts she controlled him she was trying to control my home we fought almost every day about her control because he talked to her every day and she was telling him what to do every day and every day you know i could always tell when he was under the influence of her words and we get into it about this woman and i'm like you need how, how you married and letting your sister control you um long story short he ended up returning to africa for a visit when he came back he bought some stuff home with him and he hid in our house some stuff and so it turns out he had had some type of a ritual done on him while he was in africa he bought all that stuff back he was trying to do witchcraft so he got into witchcraft so that was the reason that we broke up so like i said i talked about that comment um and i always say that you know people have a tendency to uh, to blame the woman But the majority of marriages, while they are initiated, divorces are initiated by women, be honest with you, the majority of marriages that failed are as they are the result of something the man did, the fruit. Now, we we can go back to the root. A lot of time the root is rebellion because if you build on the wrong foundation, you can't expect it to stand. But most of the time if you start talking about the fruit and i'm not going to say it all the time because i've counseled couples i got two uncles who are six feet under because of bad women so i am balancing my thinking as it relates to that but you the statistics show that you can pull the statistics up most failed marriages are the result of something that a man has done because a lot of times men have been taught that or men have been taught not a lot of times men have been taught that promiscuity is okay or even expected with men when it's not it's nasty It's destructive, and at the same time, a man is the head of his home. He's supposed to cover his home and protect from outside influences and the the, the attacks of the enemy. Well, a lot of men don't realize this, but the very thing he's supposed to protect his wife from is adulteress, because that's a witch. You can look up the the word adulteress; it is synonymous with the word sorceress. But that that woman, even though she may not recognize that she's operating as a witch, and when a man doesn't protect, instead he allies with that woman. Through adultery, when he allies, what he's gonna do is his heart begins to change toward his wife, and now the next thing you know, he the witch is tormenting his wife, so demons are able to come in and attack his family. Which is why the Bible says, um, "How can you uh, spoil a home unless you first bind the strong man of the, the, the head of the home? The husband is the strong man of his house." So what the enemy does is he uses women to bind men. It's a big story. I can I can preach that thing from the rooter to the tutor. That the enemy uses witches to bind men. And a lot of times they don't look like them. They don't sound like them. Some of them are real innocent sounding. Some of them real sweet sounding. But they're still witches. Biblically speaking, they're still witches. Because what they do is they come into... Um, agreement with destroying a marriage the destruction of a marriage which the bible said god hates a divorce so if god said he hates a thing and somebody's for it that means that person is an enemy an adversary that's what adverse mean it means to go in the opposite direction that means that person is working for that's something that god is working against or whatever god is working for that person is working against um and so that's the thing whenever adultery enters an equation that person that man has failed to cover his wife And if you see that, typically it means that the man has not come into agreement with God. That means he has not fully come to love God with all of his heart, mind, and strength. Consequently, he doesn't love himself. And therefore, he can't love his neighbor. His wife is one of his neighbors. He can't love his wife. He can't love his neighbor as he loves himself. So consequently, he exposes her to the very thing he's supposed to protect her from. But I'm I'm sharing that to say, going back to the TikTok thing, the lady said, the man said, I've never been good enough. I've never felt like I was good enough for you. And I thought that was really significant because I do quite a bit of counseling. And I've heard that in both of my failed relationships, because like I said, it wasn't something that I was walking around the house doing. No, I was solid, Uh, but it was stuff that they were doing. And I just made a decision that I didn't want to continue. I didn't want to take it, you know, but In both cases, I heard that. The first time my ex and I, we had been broken up. We had gone through a divorce. Um, I had remarried because I was a broken, hot mess of a person at that time. But I had remarried, and I came into town to visit my mom. The man I was married to, we were in town. And, yeah, long story short, I went walking. I got mad at my mom, my ex. The man I was married to, I got mad at everybody, and I left um, the house. Went walking to cool myself off. My little sister pulls up on me asked me to get in the car. she has been looking for me for a while, but she finds me, asked me to get in the car. I get in the car. Um, and she goes to talking to me. I don't know why you got, got upset. This, this, and the other. Um, but then she was like, um, my ex, she was like, he's been call- I've been talking to him. And I was like, why are you talking to him? And she was like, yeah, we just talking, what have you. He asked me a lot of questions and stuff about you. And he asked uh, her one question. Um, he was like, so tell me something about this dude. She went, you know, he's like, um, and she was like, he asked her, did, they, did he go to the club? She was like, yeah, he went to the club. They had a fight about that. And he started laughing. She told me, she said, he started laughing. He said, oh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Why did he say that? Because of something he ended up saying to me that day. Because she was like, um, he told me he was going to call back because he wants to talk to you. Um, and I ended up talking to him on the phone, but it was no secret. It wasn't something I hear from the man I was married to. I went back and told him. But um, I ended up talking to him on the phone. And when I got on the phone with him... He started telling me, he said a few things to me, you know, even expressing his regret for letting me go, all that. But one thing he said to me was that he said, I never felt like I was good enough for you. As a matter of fact, I think he said that to me another time before the end. But he said, I never felt like. So, yeah, he said that to me while we were married, um, while we were going through a divorce. He said, I never felt like I was good enough for you because I remember it was that time I told him, I apologize. I never intended to make you feel that way. He said, no, you didn't make me. It wasn't anything you said. He was like, but I just always felt like, you know, you, you belong to like a man, a guy, like a pastor or something like that. You one of those type of women, you're not the type of person like for a man like me. And he said, I always felt like, you know, and I'm saying that because that's the thing that the lady on TikTok said, and I'm gonna give you the revelation that I got behind it because, you know, for a long time, I've actually had a conversation this week. I was uh, counseling somebody, I think, and, um, it was a similar situation and I said beware of people who don't feel like they're good enough for you because they're being they're admitting that they feel like you're at a higher standard and I'm, I'm going to explain that because I don't want anybody to get confused in that because I think in every relationship you can always find an area where the person excels you or supersedes you in something um but when a person overall makes it up in their mind that they're not good enough for you, believe them. Because in that, what they're saying that morally, they not, may not be as sound as you are. But that's something that he said to me. He was like, you know, I never felt like I was good enough for you. I always felt like, you know, you're you're supposed to be with a pastor. He actually told me that while we were breaking up. Um, and he was like, I feel like now, you know, you can get the person that and obviously he didn't mean that because like i said when we got on the phone that particular time by this time we we're divorced and uh, i didn't marry somebody else but when we get on the phone that time you know he uh you know he's asking questions and he, t- he says to me you know you were a good person he said don't let what happened between me and you cause you to become cold and cause you to destroy your marriage or what have you but the same thing happened with me in this particular the next guy broke up when we were breaking up I had a moment, I had an encounter with God, a very tangible, powerful encounter with God when God took me through deliverance from my forgiveness. Um, after that, I had to literally walk out love like toward this guy. Like while we were going through a divorce, just be really kind, be forgiving. And he was insistent on coming to my house. Like he had to come to my house once a month to drop off this um, check for $400 to help out with the bills. What he was insistent on coming and put it in my hand rather than depositing it into my account. And that was just his way. That was his healing process. But whenever he would come over, he would always sit there for about an hour. And I would typically, at first, I would ignore him. Like while he was there, he would sit on the couch and I would be at my computer. And I just kind of work at the computer and I answer whatever questions he had or whatever, because I had unforgiveness in my heart toward him. Uh, but once God delivered me from that unforgiveness, I started, I, stand, I still sat at my computer, but I started, you know, kind of turning around and talking to him or what have you because i forgave him he ended up getting getting saved on my couch well one of the things when um he confessed jesus as his lord and savior i had him to stand up or what have you and i held his hand and i prayed with him and when i was praying with him he started to cry and um he looked at me he said thank you so much i appreciate everything you've done and he said tiffany don't let this sour you i understand you know, he said, in all our honesty, he said, I'm not good enough for you. I've never been good enough for you. And, I, and I, I'm I, standing there like, crap. This. And I said to him, I said, I apologize if I made you feel that way. He's like, no. Now, he didn't know the other guy had said that to me. But he was like, no, he said, I just, you know, um, I let my sister attack you. I never protected you. And that was true. He was like, I never protected you. I never did anything he said you know i i I put i let her convince me like you're this bad person and that you're you know you're bad this and that and he said you know you've shown that you are a really good person and i he said you know i believe that whatever man gets you he's gonna be really blessed and he said i just wish i could have been that man i wish i could have been good enough or what have you but i'm saying that to say i always tell people that both of the guys that i ended up going through a divorce with they spoke a blessing over my life you know, that's why I didn't pay attention to the woman in the comments section of the book or what have you. I'm like, this child don't even know. But it wasn't an issue where I was in a marriage and I'm like, oh, uh, uh-uh, uh, and I won't submit. And I'm cussing and acting crazy. It wasn't a situation where I was acting up. No, I came home. Um, Well, first time I used to come home because I worked. But the second time I wasn't working outside, I worked in. I, I cooked, I cleaned and all that other stuff. So it wasn't an issue. I wasn't argumentative or none of that stuff. It ha- It didn't have anything to do with anything I had done. Uh, besides me marrying them, it had everything to do with the choices that they made. But both of them expressed that. So here's a revelation. Lady on TikTok said a lot of couples I have, um, I've had to counsel, not just couples, but typically women who are on the outskirts of a relationship. Relationship ended typically because the man cheated or what have you. And I found that, you know, if the woman forgives, a man will speak a blessing over you. If you forgive him and you don't try to come against him, that's been my experience with guys. If you're not trying to hurt him, if you're not, if you're not being vengeful or what have you, a lot of times they will tell you what they genuinely think about you. And in most cases, because a lot of women walk away dealing with rejection, a lot of women walk away dealing with, am I not good enough? Am I not this? Am I not that? But one thing i've learned is that if you walk away the right way like you're not mishandling the person you're not trying to make the person feel like a piece of crap a lot of times they will tell you hey i think you're an amazing person i think you're a great person and honestly i I feel like a fool for letting you go i feel like a fool i think that you're amazing and they will tell you i never felt like i was good enough friend of mine i think she was telling me the same thing happened with her and her husband he told her, I never felt like I was good enough for you. So my message to you is this. Beware of people who feel like that. Honestly, beware. Be mindful. That's one of the things that you want to assess before you start really getting into a relationship with a person. You want to build maybe a friendship with a person. But that's something you want to assess in the beginning. Because if a person feels like they're, like you're too good for them They're admitting that they're not necessarily good people. Now, don't get me confused because I do understand that sometimes people can come into your life and they may not be where you are. And when I say be where you are, I'm talking about they may not be as mature. They may not be as as emotionally sound or financially sound. They may not be in that place, but they could be intentional. And in cases like that, when a person is intentional, when a person has made up their mind, there is nothing like a, a made up mind. If a person has made up their mind, I'm gonna say I'm gonna serve God all the days of my life, and you know what? I'm gonna heal. I'm gonna forgive. When people make up their mind, they become powerful weapons against the kingdom of darkness, because nothing the enemy throws at them—no offense, no hurt, no rejection—is powerful enough to get them to to fall and to falter. But whenever you have a person, and I, I can tell you one way to gauge a person is look for longevity. Not just in relationships, but look for longevity on the job. Look for longevity in their friendships. Look for longevity in in their churches. Look for longevity because when you find longevity, it shows you that the person has the capacity to overcome. Because in every relationship that you are a part of, offense is inevitable, and there are different levels of offense. There are there's small offense. You know, there's minor offense that you can. I, I I think of it this way. Um, last Wednesday, not yesterday, not day before yesterday. My last Wednesday, I had oral surgery and right now I'm off those meds, like the pain meds. I'm not, I've taken them up and so I'm off those pain meds. And even though I have Tylenol and stuff like that, I'm not going to take it because I don't want to do damage to my body, putting that medicine in it. You know, I took it as long as I had to take it and I'm done with it, but my gums are slightly agitated. Now they're not hurting, hurting. They're not unbearable but it's a slight agitation it's almost like if you ever sucked your gums and caused them to become irritated or something like that, but I have a slight, they 're slightly agitated that that that's what a slight level offense it's just a slight agitation but then there's high level offense i 'm talking about there and that, those are not the, just the two levels but there are different levels of offense there's high level offense the highest level of offense typically occurs when there is um, some type of infraction like adultery or what have you but There are different levels of offense. And one of the things you want to do outside of being in a romantic relationship is you want to master each level. And if you come across a person, for example, and they can't master high level offense, please don't get in a relationship with that person because that person, when you get to that spot in marriage, it's not to say they're cheating because, you know, some people take things, small things, and they make them into big issues. But there are certain levels of offense that that person has not learned how to get past that person may not le- have not may not have learned how to get past like longevity like uh, when i say longevity i'm talking about long-term offense when you um i won't say longevity but i'll say long-term offense there is a such thing as short-term offense and there's long-term offense long-term offense is typically the result of pride uh, and it can be a situation where both of y'all are being pigheaded about an event and um, neither one of you are willing to compromise. This is why the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Most people won't get themselves a counsel- counselors, especially black people. A lot of us, our problem is we think we can handle it on our own. We feel like we can talk to our homegirl, our homeboy about it. No, you need a multitude of wise counselors. But I'll give you an example. Uh, there, there was a fight I had with my ex, the second one. A fight what that i had with him that spanned three weeks probably longer than that he came home one day and he said to me now mind you i didn't get along with his sister the woman hated my guts and the only reason she hated my guts was because she couldn't control me she controlled the entirety of his family the woman like i said was into witchcraft and he didn't believe me and it wasn't until the end that she admitted that but she you know, she liked to say, go do this. And if you didn't do it, she get mad. She would put you on punishment. She would try to destroy your name to the family. She would just do all kinds of wicked things to you. Um, and it wasn't just in family. She did that. She used women. She turned women into prostitutes, if you ask me. And what I mean by that was that she, like, when her male cousins and stuff would come into town from Africa or from out of town, she'd be like, I'm going to have a girl for you. So she would befriend women and basically just tell the dude, I got a girl for you. So it was a long story short, but she was a very, she was not a good person, period, point blank. She just wasn't a good person at all. But whatever, you know, dealing with her, that was our biggest issue. So one particular time he comes home and he says to me, hey, um, and this was a problem that we had was that she didn't understand boundaries. And my problem with him was that he was allowing her to, to do that rather than putting boundaries up. It took their mother at one point to get involved to put boundaries up in front of her and to rebuke him for allowing his sister to you know come and almost destroy because his mother got involved whenever she found out when lose got back to her that i was done with her son and i didn't want him and this is before we broke up that i was um you know trying to get my get out of the house and what have you and she didn't speak english uh but it got to her through one of her other sons who was trying to counsel me through it and when he realized he couldn't counsel me through it, no matter what he said i had my mind made up i was done with this man i don't want him no more i i, I can't be with nobody that lets somebody control them um that's when he called his mother in africa and she called she called our home and i remember she ripped and we had been dealing with that issue for several years by this point um uh, but she ripped him a new one she yelled at him she got the sister on three-way and she called her she called her out her name she called her a witch and she told him, she told him, she said, she's always destroyed marriages. Everywhere she goes, she destroy, she destroys, she destroy. And I don't know why you're listening to her. So she placed boundaries up because they, they, they believe in high level honor toward their parents. And she told him, she was like, I don't want you talking to your sister. You talk to her once a month. That's it. And you need to get off the phone. It need to be on the weekend and it need to be quick. And you don't, she don't need to advise your marriage. I don't want to hear anything about that or what have you. And for a long time after that uh we actually had like once that was done when that mother put up that boundary when he was respecting that boundary we went into best friendship we became besties Um, uh, but she had gotten involved in it or what have you and she came in and she just kind of cleaned house um but that was his belief you know when it came to the wife and his culture the wife was considered like uh, a property of the family so you almost didn't have a voice and no matter how yell, loud you yelled or what you said they felt like you know you need to stop because you're married not just to me but to the rest of my family including the sister and i'm like i'm not married to your sister um long story short we i got to that space where i was ready to go um and i'm trying to see what what was the story i was telling but i got to that space where i was ready to go his mother fixed it his mother came in and she made that so no no i remember the story i was telling um, before all that happened, before the mother came in, I was just trying to give a little backstory with as it relates to the sister. Well, one particular time, this is before the mother came in. The, the, he comes home, my ex, he comes home from work. And um, the weird thing, one of the weird things that would happen was that he wouldn't call me on his break. He would call the sister. Like I said, they had a very weird, they had a very weird relationship. Very weird. She acted like he she was his wife. He acted like he was her husband and I was like a side piece. But he came home one day and he said, um, um, this, he told me about some lady that was coming into town and he was like, um, my, one of my sister's friends. And he was like, she's got to be coming into the town and she's going to be staying with us. Um, you know, for a weekend or a week or something like that. And I was like, no, she ain't. I said, who, who, you didn't talk to me about that. And he was like, why would I talk to you? He said, my sister already gave her permission. And I looked at him. I said, your sister doesn't have the power or the authority to give anybody permission to stay in my house. He said, our house. I said, exactly our house, not just yours. You, that means she has to go through both of us. So she can't just go through you. He was like, well, I'm the head of the home. I said, it doesn't work like that. I said, you can't bring a strange female into my home. And by the same, you know, like I said, I knew the, the sister was in the witchcraft, even though he would fight against it. I knew that she was in a witchcraft, and I was like, dude, and I knew it. I'm telling you, I, I kid you not. I knew it. Prophetically speaking, I knew that she was sending a person in my house with witchcraft. And I, that's what she was trying to send. And I was like, well, it doesn't make sense. Why would she want somebody? Why would somebody be coming all the way from Georgia uh, to come to Florida to come into our house? He was like, well, she's coming into town to buy a car. And, you know, she found a guy, she, a dude online, so she's coming into town. So she can buy a car for this guy. I said, so why not just go get the car and go back home? He was like, no, she's going to stay for the weekend. I said, well, she can get a hotel. He was like, no. So we fought over there for three weeks. For three entire weeks, we fought. For three weeks, we didn't speak to each other. For three weeks, I don't think we even slept in the bed together. I think he slept in the bed. I just didn't go to bed. I waited till he went to work and then I would go to bed. We, for three weeks, we were at each other's throat about this issue. And the only thing he would say is every once in a while, he would come home and he would say, you got two weeks left or you got one week left and, and she's coming. I said, she ain't coming here. He's like, she is coming. I said, she ain't coming here. He was like, I, I, I gave her permission. I said, no, you don't have the power or the authority to get somebody permission to stay in our house, especially a female. You have to run that by me, just like I would have to run it by you if I invited somebody, even if it was a friend of mine. That's how marriage works. So we, have, so we fought about that. Um, at the end of that, that's when his mother got involved. At the end of that, I was done. At the end, because we had been fighting long term, three weeks straight, no resolution, it got cold, the house was just toxic, and I couldn't stand it anymore. And I was like, I want out of this relationship, I don't want to be with this dude, I, I can't be with somebody like this, and what have you. So his mother ends up getting involved, and I mean, his mother, of course, she called him, and she went off. She said, how dare you try to force a woman to let another woman into her home? How dare you try to force her, what have you. By the time she got, through, she got done with him, he was crying. By the time she got done with him he was crying and coming and begging and saying i'm so sorry you know my sister was saying all this and you know my sister was saying all that and you know now that my mom explained it to me like this i'm so sorry i was wrong um but like i said i had clocked out or what have you so i ended up staying but in all of that one of the things that i've learned and like i said guys one of the things that i don't like to do which is one of the reasons i don't like to do relationship talks because i always feel like my past is going to kind of trickle into that. But that's what my past is for. I realize that God uses my story to help so many of you. But I don't like sharing it. Okay. Uh, but in that, the long thing, the, the, the gist of it is this. Beware of people who don't feel like they're good enough. Beware of people who don't. Because typically that's an admission, to, um, that, you know, for them. That's their way of saying, I can't give to you what you're giving to me. Not even just that. Because I think one of the things I've, I learned, I love about being an intentional and godly woman is women typically when they're intentional and they're godly are not looking at what you have, right? They're not looking at oh, you don't have as much this, or you don't have as much money, or you don't have as much this. That a lot of times women women look for intentionality. That's one of the things that we find is intentionality when a person is you know making doing what they need to do to heal to 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 to, to progress in life. When people are you know like if if, if a person is Looking Like when I met my ex, the first one, he didn't have a job, but he was on a, he was looking for one. And my mom was fussing at me and oh, that, this man ain't working and what have you. And I'm like, mom, he looking. And he actually, he ended up getting a great job. He was making more money than me. And he, you know, was very, I'm talking about dude would get his paycheck. Kid you not. He would get his paycheck before we had an account. Even when we were boyfriend and girlfriend, he would get his paycheck he would get in a car, sit next to me, and just put his paycheck in my hand. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, nope." And he was like, nah, hold on to it for me, or uh, what have you? Just, just give me lunch money." And that was what he did. But I'm saying all that to say, if a person says, and this is something you want to look for, it's not even something that they say, but if he acts like he doesn't feel like you're good, good enough for him, typically that's a red flag that the person is probably not that morally sound. One. And two, when a person feels like that over the course of a marriage, that's rejection manifesting itself. There's a high problem, a, a high probable um, I don't even know if that's a word, but there's a high probability. That's the word. There's a high probability that the person will have an affair. And typically when they have an affair, it's going to be somebody of lower standing because they feel like they're good enough for that person, but they don't feel like they're good enough for you. And nobody wants to be in a relationship where they feel like they're not good enough for another person. Like I said, that's in-house rejection. And it doesn't have anything to do with something you said or done. A lot of times it has everything to do with um, what the enemy has been placing in their minds. You're not good enough for this person. This girl's too this for you. She's too that for you. She's too this for you. She's too that for you. And so as a single, I've learned to gauge that. I've learned to watch that. I've learned to be mindful of that whenever a man, you know, starts acting or showing that he feels like I'm too good for him. That is usually a sign that he knows that he's not, going to, he's not going to match me morally or spiritually. And you have to get delivered. And I'm speaking to ladies. You have to get delivered from the belief. Well, Sister Tiffany, I don't want him to feel that way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep loving on him. And I'm going to show him you are good enough. I'm going to build his self-worth. Baby, that's not how that works. When you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't feel like you're good enough, every good thing that you do makes them feel worse. So if they are here, they cuss you out and they do all kinds of crazy stuff to you. And then you turn around and you say, you know what? I understand all the crazy stuff that happened to you. And I forgive you for the stuff that you said said to me. I forgive you because I love you and I really, I'm believing in you. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for your healing. I'm rooting for you as a person. You got to understand you're placing words in them that are true, that are good. But those words can't get there before God's word gets there. So it's not going to have the effect that you want it to have. Typically, the effect that it has is that it becomes more confirmation to them that you are they're not good enough for you. So the guilt will eat them up. The guilt, the the shame, the condemnation, the enemy will mess with their mind time and time again because the enemy will keep telling them, like, look, you you, you really just dogging this girl. Look, you just really doing that. You need to let her go so somebody else that's better can come and get, get with her. Then when they try to let you go, then the enemy will start tormenting them again and say, Oh, look what you just did. You let go of a good woman. See, that's what you always wanted. Or what have you. So the enemy has them going back and forward. And you can't get caught up in that circus. Because if you do, then what's going to happen is they're going to pull and they're going to push. They're going to pull and they're going to push. They're going to pull away and then they're going to realize I'm making the biggest mistake of my life. Then they're going to start wanting to pull you closer. Or they're going to start, you know, trying to push their way back into your life. If you let them back in, then they're going to get to that place where they're going to, it's demonic. Um, they're going to get to that place and they're going to get more and more insecure. They're going to start feeling like, man, why are you doing this? And then why I feel like you, you're you too good of a person Then they're going to pull away again. And like I said, in the midst of all of this, a lot of times with people, people, whenever they're involving themselves in self-sabotage, typically they get other people involved, right? So they'll get in in a relationship with somebody else. You know, they'll go have an affair with somebody else and they'll go get with people that they don't rank as high as you in their minds. They feel like those people are deserving of the pain that they're going to dish out, but they don't feel like you're as deserving of it. And so that's the thing. A lot of times that's their way of um, getting out what they want to do and protecting and shielding you at the same time, but you can't really be shielded because you're so tied to them. So be mindful. Don't engage in a relationship with somebody who feels like they are too good for you. And then lastly, You may say, because I've had couples, I've had relationships. I mean, I've had counseling sessions, not relationships. I've had counseling sessions with couples where the woman may say, well, Tiffany, what if I'm already married to somebody who believes that I'm not good, that he's not good enough for me? You know, I can tell he said it with his words or he expresses it in his actions and stuff like that. The best thing that you can do in a situation like that is just fast and pray for that person. Because their will is involved. You can build them up. But like I said, building them up does nothing if the word is not there for it to stick to. It has to stick to the word. Your word's up to stick to and come into alignment with the word and serve as confirmation. But your word can't be the first thing that they hear. They got to hear the word of God. So what you can do, your best out is to, you know, try to have Bible study with that person. Um, Advise them to get a counselor. You know, try to encourage them. Try to build them up. Um, Or what have you. But the best thing that you can do is to make sure that there's a Bible presence, set up some Bible study with them. Um, Make sure that, you know, you guys are consistent with going to church if you can Um, pray with the person and then try to set up individual counseling sessions, not just marital counseling. I think one of the biggest problems that or mistakes that a lot of couples make is that they try to set up or a lot of women make, especially they try to set up marriage counseling um, because they want to be present to say what they want to say. And I tell people that, yeah, no, sometimes you got to, the best thing you can do for your spouse, set up some individual counseling sessions for them. Set up with somebody that's good and godly. If, it, if you can do pastoral counseling, that would be awesome. But set up some individual counseling sessions for him to go speak with another male. Typically, that's going to be the best out because men understand men. But I would advise a, another couple that is saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, on somebody who has been married for quite some time. You know, I already have my, my, my crew. You gotta have those type of things. Like, you gotta pad yourself before you get married, right? It's, it's very similar. When I use the word pad, I think menstruation. Please don't get disgusted, guys. But I think menstruation. When a woman knows it's almost that time, she knows to carry pads with her. Um, and if, if she's cramping, a woman knows to put on a pad, even though she don't see blood yet. She knows to put on a pad because she's not trying to wait to be sitting up having a conversation in the middle of of, of Walmart or at, at her job. And then all of a sudden, that stuff started running out. And the next thing you know, she got an accident on her hands and she's humiliated. Um. So and I, I always say it this way: countries don't prepare for war in times of war; they prepare for war in times of peace. That means that preparation is the highest level of faith. Or the highest expression of faith. So you have to prepare for what it is that you are believing God for. If you're not preparing for it, do you really believe God for it? So you prepare yourself outside of marriage. Where's your marriage counselors? Real quick. If you say you want to be married, and you want one of those marriages that lasts a lifetime, that y'all love each other, y'all honor each other, God is all up and through there, y'all. Are Y'all doing great things together. If you want that type of marriage, where's your marriage counselor? I'm going to ask you right now. If if you were married today and things went to hell, who would you call? If you say you're a pastor, that's great. But the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. I can give you a list of names of people that I would call because I, I have that now. Back in the day, I didn't have that. But there are safety in a multitude of counselors. You need to have counselors, people available that you can reach out to and say, hey, yeah, so lately he's been doing this and he's been doing that. I think it's a man thing. I don't know. And if I'm talking to, I think about, you know, uh, one of the guy counselors I have. I, I, yeah, listen. And I got three of them I can think of right off the top of my head. And he may say, oh, that's a man thing. Let me talk to him. Um, try to set something up. Or what have you. And then you tell the guy, say, hey, listen, I notice that you seem to be a little bit you know kind of down and out or you've been a little bit snippy lately and i talked to apostle such and such or pastor such and such or brother such and such and you know um he said he would like to talk to you if that's okay you know i'm just trying to make sure we have solutions you don't have to talk to me about it i know that you know as a guy you may want to talk to another male And I'm open if you want to talk to me as well. So and this is something that you want to agree to before marriage. Like before you get married, talk about problem resolution, because marriage is a bunch of problems that you have to solve. It's not just being in a bedroom playing humpy dump and all that. No, it's problems. It's looking at a light bill that you don't you may not necessarily know how to pay. It's dealing with another person's attitude. There's a lot of things that come in marriage. So you want to make sure that you prepare for war before the war happens, right? You want to sit back outside of marriage during the courting phase, start talking about problem resolution. Talk about it. Record your answers. You know, okay, so um, how do we handle, a female comes up to you and she starts talking and she says, hey, yeah, you know, let's just say he is, um, I'm likely going to have to do a part two, but um, let's just say he is a chef. He's a chef. And this girl, she's a master chef. She says, oh, yeah, I can help you. I can cook, you know, I can help you cook some stuff and all that. And you're like, "Uh, dude, no, I understand you're trying to advance your career. But let's use wisdom here. (laughs) This is a single female. This is not the best idea. Then the best thing, you know, to talk about that beforehand. How do we handle a situation like that? Don't wait for the situation handling. You guys don't know which direction to go in. And now y'all fighting about it. Talk about that kind of stuff in advance. I'm not going to have to do a part two. Um, Anyhow, I love you. I hope this message bless you and God bless you.